This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red Liverpool FC podcast from the Liverpool Echo. My name is Dan Kay and I'm hosting today alongside my esteemed colleagues Ian Doyle and Connor Dunn. How are we, chaps? I'm fine. Yourself? Fair to middling, Connor. I am very well, thank you, minus a cast on my hand. Minus a cast on your hand, but on the brink of a lovely holiday, so no, Indeed. no worry, you are full of Still the demo. Still super chipper. Are you going anywhere nice? I am going somewhere quite nice, Ian, yeah. yeah. But not St Helens? No. No. There's nothing complete with that, let's be honest. Well, can't argue with that. Um, As you will all be aware, it is the international break at the moment, or as some of us refer to it as international drivel. However, um, football ploughs on regardless, as does the Liverpool Echo and our need for content. So here we are with a QA and a from your questions, because it is a weekend, everyone's in a football mood, and without anything to slake that thirst, we're going to provide stuff for you. So without no further ado, we'll get started with the first question. We've had quite a few sent in to us today, haven't we, chaps? Mm. And the first question is from Larry, also known as at CubicL82 on Twitter. And his question is, why are there so many international breaks and why does time slow to a crawl during said breaks? Ian, can you shed any light on that for us? I could give you a sensible answer, if you so wish. There are four international... Sorry, there are five international breaks during the course of the year. One of them's in June, which basically is when the season's finished anyway. You can't count that. I know, but there's September, October, November and March. And that's the international calendar is done in a way that means that... Countries look to play two games in them, so therefore Mm. they play 10 games during the course of a year, which isn't that many when you say it like that, especially when two of them are in June. And half the time, teams, countries don't take up that option. Certainly Mm. England don't tend to all of the time. But I think it's more that it just means to stop start to the, you know, the start start of the season a little bit higgly-piggly, isn't it? It's like just the minute you get some momentum, does an international break. And if you're not an international player, then you just have a nice week or so off and then you go for another week's training but for, if you're like a like say Jordan Henderson who anyone who plays regularly for the country then you're playing all the time non-stop and while yeah it's it's can be a bit of a stretch for us to fill the website with stuff and there's certainly not the interest in England in these parts as there is in maybe other parts of the country uh, right down south we'll come to that in a minute <laughs> <laughs> the um it's you know it, stuff still happens yeah. and and the players still are involved and they were and they you know, we've said many times to play for the country is still an honour for almost all of these players so for them it's still a big deal uh, it is just the fact that you know it looks as like you know Liverpool play what was it seven games in twenty one days just come to the Something end of that, like that they're going to yeah. do the same thing again between October and November and then when they come back from the November one it's just crack on and they've got a ton of games then as well so I think sometimes fans look at it and go well, why couldn't we be playing a game then but. Mm. There's always a room for international football. You've got your World Cups, your European Championships, Copper America, all of them. They're always going to exist, at least this way, the way that they've done it for the past, I think it's 15, nearly 20 years now. Like yeah. That, yeah, It never used to be like this, did they? Sometimes I remember when... Did you squeeze them in? England, England played yeah, yeah. Ireland in a, in a friendly on the same day that Liverpool played Crystal Palace in a second, in a semi-final League Cup game. Did, was that the game that was called off? That was the game that was called off, tr- yeah. Hard trouble, yeah. yeah the yeah, first yeah, leg yeah. when Fowler scored in the last yeah, minute. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, you know, that would never happen now, no. would it? But, you know, that, in the old days, that used to happen all the time. But, mm. you know, so I think that's the thing, is that they've made a bit more space for international football. And I think fans just have to, you know, if they're not used to it now, then tough. It's been... Well, well, I'll put the second part of the question to you, Connor. Why does time slow to a crawl Look, during these breaks? Do you know what? I actually slightly agree that time does seem to go a bit slow I don't think there's the anticipation of Champions League football midweek Premier League football the weekend there is more excitement over Liverpool than England and I I totally totally get that Um, but as Ian says you know international football for me particularly has been around pretty much my whole you know football supporting avid life and I'm you know so used to having these breaks they just I don't really they just kind of pass me by a little second bit second nature I suppose for yeah I think I don't know if that's the same for everyone and I know probably my answer here won't be as popular with Liverpool fans as it might be in certain other parts of the country Like, but I personally love England because growing up down south and I've spoken to a few people about this and kind of tried to work out why and I guess it's because particularly from where I live the closest teams to me are maybe like the closest big teams like Crystal Palace say but they're not going on big European trips no. so you don't get that appetite you know, so when you go away with England, you're all together and you're going away to all these European games and it's kind of like that's a similar sort of vibe. So England for where I'm originally from is, is a lot, lot bigger than it is up here. So I still love England and watch, love watching England football, but 
I guess because all of the Premier when you have a Premier League weekend, you have sometimes a game on a Friday, a game on a Saturday, a game on a Sunday, a game on a Monday, and because of the way the results work and things like that, you're interested every single day it's of that. A week almost, isn't yeah. it? Friday to Monday. But then. For me, just when England play, I'm I'm interested. I obviously like to watch the Liverpool players. Senegal played Brazil yesterday and things like that. But you're not; it's not quite got the same pull. The results don't have the same pull. The entertainment doesn't have the same factor. I don't think so. I kind of get both both sides of it, really. I think the other thing with England in international football is when they played away from Wembley for six or seven years in the early 2000s. Yeah, they went around the country. And they played a couple of games at Liverpool. They played one before. They played two, didn't they? they at played least a, two. They, they the played Finland the Finland one. game, and then there was Uruguay. Was there before Crouch. the World Cup? Murphy's um, so that you know, they're both of those games, Anfield was full, mm. and, and an they played. Idea. They played an awful lot of games at Old Trafford. I think that should happen. And more they went often. to Middlesbrough. And I think happen. then I think there was more connection between the whole country and the England team. Yeah, I mean, like they do with and, the cricket. Yeah, yeah. and to I be mean, fair, like most yeah. other international football yeah. countries do. But then that's the whole Wembley question, isn't it? Um, it's the old, it's not a white elephant because it's quite clearly there and it's a decent stadium. Maybe not as good as the Millennium Stadium, maybe not as good as Tottenham's new stadium by all accounts. I mean, how long is it going to take to pay Wembley off? Because when it reopened in 2007 seven, seven, yeah. and they moved the FA Cup semi-finals were there, we were told, well, one of the main reasons is they've got to pay off all the debt, blah, blah, blah. It's 12 years on. Yeah. So you know, it, it is the national stadium. I've been there often enough. Worked there. Been there as a fan. It's Wembley. You know, it, it's even if I've got you know not a massive amount of admiration for the part of London it's in, and I certainly think as an overall experience, places like Cardiff and other places abroad are a much better experience for a fan. It's got the historical resonance, and I get that, and I can appreciate that. But does it have to have every single big game, every cup final, every semi final, every England game? You know, less is more sometimes. I think just just to kind of bring this one this question to a head because we've got a fair few here. That second question, why does time slow, slow to a crawl? It just kind of occurred to me, and something you pointed out in the fact that the way the international breaks are set out, there's three rat a tat tat right at the start of the season, September, October, November, and then the only other one is March, like March isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> so I think maybe one of the reasons why, I think maybe for club orientated fans like myself. Why it does kind of grind your gears a little bit is that after the long summer break, you're just getting your kind of your footy boots back on and into the rhythm and routine of matches every weekend, and it becomes stop start. So I think maybe that's that would part. I, I didn't realise until you actually laid that out like that. <coughs> that does kind of provide a you know a logical kind of explanation as to how. <clears throat> so not all we have to stress. Not all we know there are plenty of people on Merseyside that wear their St George's crosses with pride and good luck to them. Um, <laughs> That's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> Moving on to the next question by at Yassine Chotter. Has Mo Salah's positional role in the team changed? He seems to be playing a more supportive role now, enticing fouls and getting kicked pillar to post? Question mark. Start with you this time, Connor. What do you reckon? Um, I don't think his position's changed at all in that respect. I know they've played him down the middle once this season um, but you know he's still on that I think Liverpool are actually probably playing higher up than they did last season mm -hmm. if I'm honest um, I don't think that Salah's getting kicked anymore I think he's, he has been kicked throughout his whole career I think all front three takes so many kicks takes so many knocks and that is why I think it's a wonder they don't get injured more than they do Miracle. because yeah, yeah. they play in that and they push those lines so tightly and work so hard at the front of the field defenders they're going to be quicker than they are going to get kicked and I just think it's become a little bit more obvious perhaps with that Chowdhury challenge it's come more at the forefront of people's minds that Salah is, is, does take a beating in, in, in a lot of games but in terms of the positional play I, I, I don't think he's, he's dropped any deeper I think maybe Firmino may have done slightly but, but Salah particularly I think he's he's still up there and I think he's in there to score goals and I think you can see that's why Klopp leaves him on the pitch you know it doesn't really matter if he's having an average game he leaves him on because he's there to score he's there to create that moment that moment of brilliance and I think you know you're only going to do that by playing higher up by playing closer to the goal I did a story on that on the subs today by the way on um, Salah gets subbed less often than Mane, you know, it's round about the same, but Firmino's the one who gets subbed more than either of them. Like Which is ironic like, when you think like that... Something like nearly 60% of his starts, he, get, he gets subbed. It's ironic when you think that a lot of people, if asked, would say Firmino is the kind of like the glue that binds this team <coughs> together. The straw that stirs the drink, if you will. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression. Yeah, I haven't only bang on about it every single podcast <laughs> I ever do. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but that does, that does kind of contradict... Yes, the perception as to the reality. Oh, or it could be. I mean, I'd look at the stats for obviously they've been together. This is the third season they've been together. For the first season, the seventeen eighteen, uh, I think it was something like Salah and Mane was subbed at fifty percent of the time, or something mm. like that. And Firmino was getting up towards sixty. But last season, it was more both Firmino and 
uh, sorry, both Salah and Mane started 49 games and they both only got subbed 15 times compared to, I think it was near of 30 mm. the previous year. But Firmino's has been the same and this season he's been he's been gone off in, I think, half the games that he started. Obviously, he's a few injury problems, you know, he, towards the end of last season. Yeah. And I think the way that he plays the game is that he needs more energy. He's the one that kind of exerts himself mentally as much as anything else. Whereas, going back to the actual question, um, Salah... I agree with Con. I don't think his position's changed, but I think his role may have a little bit. He simply had to adapt a little bit because Mane has assumed this, not crown as the main goal scorer, but he seems to be getting more of the chances, partly because Salah's getting all the kicks and getting mm. attracting all the players. They all know he's the danger man. And it's opening and it's, space. And it's opening spaces. Yeah. But for, and Firmino's working on that too. And Salah's obviously, he's got Trent behind him who's kind of overlapping an awful lot, whether that's taking up a little bit of his space, I don't know. But it's interesting that Salah... Score that goal against Salzburg when he'd gone up into a, a central position. And I know we got a question a little bit later on re- regarding that, so I won't say any more about it. No spoilers, please. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just wonder on that. Has his position? I think as, as like you said, this is the third season of them playing together. The fluidity and the adaptability of all of them, the way that they're all willing and able to 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 change roles within that little network as and when the occasion well, demands or the test. Leicester, didn't they? Yeah. The start of Leicester, exactly. start of Leicester game where we had yeah, Firmino on the left. Yeah. Switch wings, didn't they? Yeah. So I think possibly the perception might be to some from outside that maybe he is playing in a different role, whereas in actual fact, in reality, some of the often they're actually playing two or three different roles each per match. And that's part of the... The game's what Klopp loves, isn't it? A huge asset of this team, the fact that they do have that this tactical adaptability that they can approach any situation or any part of a game in a different way depending on what the coach sees as the best way forward so question number three from I Hippia sounds like Sammy has been subsumed by the all <laughs> seeing all dancing moth that is Apple um, I look forward to seeing him on my Apple watch sometime soon I big game next you. next Sunday as we know Manchester United against Liverpool with the Reds going for their 18th consecutive league win and looking to build on their 8 point league at the top of the Premier League I Hippier asks, will Liverpool change their system to treat United like the mid-table team they are? Mic drop. 4-2-3-1 seems to, seem to work better against them at home. Ooh, that's a, uh, yeah, that is uh, interesting. That goes back to what I was just about to say about Salah playing a central role. That's what that would involve, wouldn't it? Mm. With Firmino going behind, does it mean you get Shaqiri? He's not hardly played, I don't think he'd play. Uh, but he could get, no, but Origi has done mm. well when he's come on. But then, you, but then you're saying to one of the midfielders, right, you're not playing. And I know Fabinho has looked a little bit tired at times, but he hasn't played. He didn't play for Brazil. Did he, he didn't go to he didn't, no, he didn't no, he's gone. On. He's gone, he's gone but, he didn't, but he didn't play. I suspect he might play against Nigeria in the second game. And I know it's right. a bit of a travel, but Liverpool aren't playing until, unlike the Newcastle game on the last international break, which was half 12, and Firmino didn't start. This one's Sunday. 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 Exactly. That, yeah. Sort of, yeah. That, that extra kind of 30 hours yeah. can make a big difference. And I think the it? game is, it, I think they must be playing on Monday, so it's it'll be nearly five or six days, you know, so he should be okay. Yeah. Uh, so for being, you're basically going to 43 when you're asking one of Henderson, Wijnaldum, uh, Milner, you know, I know Cater and Lallana haven't played much, Oxide Chamberlain, you're only picking one more alongside Fabinho. Mm. Not sure he'll do that at United away, you know, further down the season so I know I don't think well I understand the question it's a little bit cheeky because United haven't been very good this season and bearing in mind how they could approach the game last year which we have spoke in the last podcast um, no I don't see it being a 4-2-3-1 I thought against Leicester at home that they might start 4-2-3-1 and they did eventually switch but yeah as you say it's Old Trafford I don't really I know United seem like they're there for the taking they don't seem great they are a bit of a mess in a lot of factions up and down the club, but without a doubt, they're going to raise their game against Liverpool. It's, it's a classic phrase, but Liverpool going to Old Trafford will literally give them the lift that, and make no mistake about it, they will play better than they have in any of the eight games so far this season. Yeah. So I just think to start with a 4-2-3-1 at Old Trafford, it just might be a bit tricky. The only person I would probably make a case for is Origi coming in, Salah playing in the middle, and then you know, it's just it's just really hard to work out how you set up that system, I think, in terms of this game. So, yeah, in answer specifically to the question, I don't, I don't see it coming in. No. I, I, I do think it's a good question because I think one of the perceptions of last season's game at Old Trafford at the start of March... Yes. Was, it was, end, it was of end of February, sorry. It was, uni- it was February, yeah. United away then, Everton away on consecutive Sundays, wasn't it? And in both of them, arguably, Liverpool took a nil-nil draw away, which, in ordinary circumstances, you'd say is a decent point. <clears throat> 
because of the the very very high performing nature of last season's title race unfortunately a point on each occasion wasn't quite enough and and there was maybe a slight feeling that Liverpool didn't quite go for it as much as they have and and in some of the discussions I've had with mates you know ahead of this game I think a number of people are hoping to see Liverpool be a little bit more proactive and front foot than possibly were that last season. I do think they'll be more attacking. But I, I agree with you. I think 4-2-3-1 from the start certainly is a bit on the nose. As the game develops, and as we've just been saying in the last, literally the last question, Liverpool do have this tremendous tactical flexibility that they can switch yep. as and when yep. a game Indeed. demands. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, right, next one. P. Lupin. Manchester City have dropped eight points, but largely due to injury, he suggests. Which player would have the same impact on Liverpool if injured, if any, brackets? Which regular starter would have the least impact if injured, other than Alisson? So a little two-parter there for you, lads. So I'll take the first one first, the first part of that question. I assume he's talking about Laporte there. Um, He is... Mm probably as effective for Man City as Van Dijk is for Liverpool. And I think you probably say if Van Dijk drops out of Liverpool's first team, he would have just a bigger impact. And I think he'd have just a bigger effect. I don't think any other player in that team, not losing one of Salamane or Firmino, would have as much effect as losing Van Dijk would out of the whole unit up and down the team, out of the whole commanding presence and leading the line and just giving Liverpool that bit of extra something, something. I think think maybe a month or two ago, you might have said the goalkeeper. But obviously we have been without the goalkeeper well, yeah, for the last a, month. And, it's just not even a question at the moment, is it? Yeah, so. Fair play to Adrian. There's been minimal disruption. But as well as Dejan Lovren played last week, as well as Matic played this season, we all know about Joe Gomez's potential. Van Dijk just has that presence, doesn't he? Does indeed. Would you, would you yeah. agree with that, Ian? Yeah, Van Dijk would be the one. I mean, a lot of people would have said Alisson. And I think he will make a difference when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, obviously he can't win them any more points than the games they've already had True. because they, you know, they, they took 24 from 24, but there will come games where he'll make a good save. You know, Adrian's done very well, but you know, I saw one or two people saying, oh, the goal he conceded against Leicester shows it's time to bring back Alisson. It's like, no, don't be daft. You know, the keeper's done way better than anyone could have expected. I don't really and think you can underestimate no, just how much an impact exactly. losing Alisson has on a yeah, team. Exactly, it's just... which, shows, which shows you how well Adrian's done. And maybe... You know, some people have been okay. A lot of people have been saying that Liverpool's defence isn't as good as last season. The likes of Van Dijk perhaps hasn't been quite at his best. Still, only conceded six goals in eight games, and they're still the best in the, yeah, the best top flight. Admittedly, they have conceded five goals in the uh, in the Champions League, which is one only one fewer than they've conceded in eight games in the Premier League. But mm. that, was, that, the, was, the, that was the same, same as last year. year. Same yeah. as last year. Yeah. What um, was the second part to that question? The second part was which regular starter would have the least impact. If he was injured, oh, that's not a very fair question, is it? I don't think we should answer that. Well, it's well, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, it's been well, you could argue, Alison. Uh, uh, you're basically okay. saying which yeah. player don't Liverpool need. Well, I don't, I think that's unfair. I think it's that's how it could be tough. I think, I think you're going to have to pick if we're going to be really diplomatic about it. It's somebody in the midfield, isn't it? Because it, they get but then none and of those are regular starters, they get chopped and changed so much. So, none of them, and you would say Ronaldo and Henderson are regular starters, they don't start every game. But they're regular starters, more so than Chamberlain or Cater, for example. Yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. you say because they get switched around so much, it's going to be one of them. But I think it's super harsh to say that Liverpool don't need any of them because exactly. they play such a vital role. And again, I don't think the impact of what Henderson, what Ronaldo, and what they all do off the ball as well as on it can be underestimated. And when, again. And when Firmino and Salah didn't play against Barcelona, they won four 0 So, <laughs> but you wouldn't want them. You, you wouldn't want them missing for every regular game. Exactly. exactly. More, no. Some players are better than others. That's why you always want them. They're not going to play every single game, which is why you have the squad. And Liverpool have got players who are of a certain standard of player that are able to come in and do the job. And nearly every single person who's come in over the past 15 months yep. has done as well as, or in the case of the goalkeeper and some other people, even better than people might have thought which is why they went 97 points last season and One. won the Champions League and uh, eight points clear at the top of the Premier League at the moment. The end. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, from Marius Granazvic at Marius GV on Twitter. Why isn't James Milner played more? Hardly puts a foot wrong, covers the whole pitch and creates more with his direct and forward passing than, say, Hendo. Well, he's a different kind of player. Henderson... Uh, sorry, Henderson's always been a midfielder. Milner was like a winger and an attacking midfielder yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, as well as playing a, a, a fullback, back. yeah, and playing everywhere, a basically. very effective fullback. Everywhere, Milner. 
I think he plays more than people think. I think mm. at the start of the last two, possibly three seasons... It'd be interesting to crunch yeah, the numbers yeah, actually, the minutes, wouldn't it? The, the people went, oh, well, this will be the year that Milner gets phased out. And then by the end of the season, it's like, oh, we need Milner playing. He played in the Champions League final in 20, started in 2018, because everybody else yeah. was injured, yeah. Last year, he came on a subset at one of the goals. Yep. You know, so he's, he's there at the start of the season. He's, he was there for the, remember last season, the first game against West Ham. He set up a couple of goals. Did he play first game this season? I've already forgotten. This season, Norwich. This season, Norwich. Yeah, Norwich, Norwich, yeah. 4-1. Yeah. Did he do anything then? I can't remember. No, I'm not sure about it. <laughs> but, Ages ago. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. But the point being, if at the end of the season, Milner's turning out, absolutely zero people would be surprised. No. I don't think he... It's not that he doesn't play enough. I think he plays just about the right amount, given I agree. his age, what's asked of him. He's... Klopp's go-to guy in terms of, right, we just need something a bit shoring up like they did against Salzburg uh, last midweek. And of course, he, you know, he sets up the goal for Mane and scores the penalty in the last minute against Leicester, which we've spoken in the past that that kind of experience is invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think he plays exactly as he is needed. They, you know, Klopp's man management in that sort of situation, playing players till they know that they need rest or they can bring them on to make an impact is, is Excellent, to be fair. One thing, uh, it's interesting getting asked that question, though, if I'm honest, because before this season started, throughout the transfer window, what did everyone call for? Signings, more players, we need more players. And now we're wondering why players aren't playing as much. Where's because Where's suddenly Chamberlain? we might have a bit of squad depth that everyone's just realising. But, you know, Liverpool know what they're doing, don't they? And, and that's why they didn't need to buy anybody. And that's why we're getting asked these questions. But, you know, Milner has made an impact because they've played him so like they played him to make an impact. They played him when he's peak and he's ready and he's going to make the biggest impact on a game. So I don't think he needs to play any more or any less than what the manager sees fit. No, I, I'd agree with that in general. I mean, I I think one of Klopp's greatest assets is how he's managed the legs of his players in the last couple of seasons. In that, you know, the first couple of years, you could argue that the legs kind yeah. of fell off a little bit towards the end of the season. Obviously, Liverpool play such a physically intensive way that it takes a lot out of them but I think he's got it down to a fine art particularly with obviously the more senior players who you do have to manage their minutes and their time and, and obviously they've got the, the, the science and the data to kind of show them you know the red zones and the hot zones and all the, the different te technical aspects that come into it I, I think Milner is one of Klopp's real chief lieutenants. I think the times when he wants him absolutely on the pitch at the start I think other times I remember saying it into the, into the, um, in the build up to the final in Madrid He's a per for a lot of big games. He's he's always a great first sub because no matter where yeah. the game is, he is smart enough to deliver a job on it. Whether you're chasing the game, whether you're looking to shore things up, he will be able to get on the pitch. And he just exudes calm and experience and confidence. And um, you know, we're only what a quarter of the way into this season, if that. But I'm sure I'm not the only Liverpool supporter that's hoping that's with his contract running down. And expiring at the end of the season, obviously he can sign a pre-contract for someone else from the start of January. I very much hope that he will still be in Anfield next year because I think he's been possibly the greatest free, free transfer in Liverpool's history. Yeah, well Klopp himself said as long as he's there, he wants Milner around, he wants Milner in his setup, he wants Milner in his team. Yeah. Klopp has also said that Milner can deliver those sort of team talks that he can't. And, you know, somebody in with two Premier Leagues to his name, that sort of experience mm -hmm. going all the way to... Is, is, is vital and you can't teach something like that so yeah. you, you can't know, buy that experience I, either, can you? I, I would say probably just about every single person in the Liverpool fan base will want me on his contract extended yeah. it was also interesting what Brendan Rodgers had to say after the game on last weekend um, he was asked about Milner because obviously he brought him to Liverpool in 2015 of course and, yeah, and then, you know, he disappeared a couple of, couple of weeks later uh, old Brendan but uh, he did explain that he had to go there and convince him when he was told about this that and the other so what was interesting what I found interesting is that even though he'd won the league twice with Manchester City and I think he'd won, did he win an FA Cup? He certainly won a league cup with Man City. 2011? Yeah, Stoke, I, think, I think he would have, yeah, been, there, he would have think. been there. He said he wanted to come to Liverpool because he felt that they had a better chance of winning the Champions League. And this is what Brendan said that he was and saying that's at in the time. That's in 2015. Because he thought with the history, season with the history and everything league. else, he thought Liverpool had a better crack at winning it. And it turns out, okay, got the manager he wrong. He got, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I don't, I really don't understand why he gets booed at City because he crazy. gave them everything. Remember the three-two game, Liverpool beat Man City, twenty fourteen, oh, and, and, and he came on at half time, and then yeah. within about ten minutes, he set up two goals. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was only Coutinho, obviously. 
you can more understand than sometimes when yeah when supporters do take the knock, get upset <clears throat> with players you've left for whatever Luis reason. Luis Suarez needs mm. no reminding anymore. Well, yeah, but you know, but for me, you know, Milner's not the type to go mouthing off. No. He clearly didn't get you know, at the time in 2015. Liverpool were not really a rival for Manchester City either. So it, it is truly bizarre, you know, the, the the lack of gratitude and the the you know, the poor reception he gets every time he goes back mm. there. I mean, he's big enough and strong enough to take it, but maybe it says a little bit about. I think it says more about City supporters than it does about Milner. Well, the club certainly don't think that. City players... We shall probably leave City supporters right there and then, though, yep. shouldn't we? Yeah, let's not go <laughs> on that. Yeah. That's not a question. Let's continue. Let's, <laughs> I'll, I'll take my sage advice from uh, my, my good colleague Ian here. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Next question is from Momo Dabinio. <laughs> Tremendous name. What are, what are your concerns, stroke fears, brackets, if any for what could derail our season and prevent our first league win in 30 years. Also, do you think there's room for improvement in the current squad? And if so, where? Uh, I'll take this one. Start with, I think, because obviously we've just said before about if Van Dijk gets injured, but I think Liverpool in the sh- in the longer term, depending on what the games are, I think they could kind of cope with that a little bit because they do have three decent enough centre-backs to cover. But imagine if Trent and... Andy Robertson got injured in the same week. Good point. What would, what would happen then? Because as we've mentioned before... Gomez and Milner, they're solid Joes though they are. But they'd have to completely change the midfield then. Yeah. You know, they have, everything, they everything, have got that option I know they have, I know they have the option. Plan, but, yeah. but that is four positions then changing realistically. Yeah. And then that will and also the impact, the and team would impact also, on... And I know we've talked about tactical flexibility, but it still needs what Klopp loves, rhythm. You need to play a few games doing it. Mm. OK, Liverpool have got themselves in a position whereby eight points clear... They've almost bought themselves a couple of games to sort things out. But it depends when the games are. I mean, to mm. say, the, say the games were when the next couple of games, United, Tottenham, City, that would be a particularly bad time for your best players to get injured or your most important players that can't be replaced. Yeah. Then maybe a bit further down the line when they're playing without no disrespect to them, the likes of Watford and teams like that, where you might, might want to rotate people out of the team anyway, certainly at home. So that would be my worry, would be if... One of the fullbacks got injured. Certainly, I say certainly more Trent than than Robertson, simply because we know Milner can do a job at left back, and I yeah. think Gomez because he was out for so long, and he is a centre back. I think he's and he's still young as well. I think he, he'd be more of a he find it more of a struggle to, to fit in at right back because yeah. nobody else really can do what Trent can do there. In, go on, Dan. Sorry, I, I was just going to say. I think defensively, I think there wouldn't be a, there wouldn't be a massive drop off if you had Gomez and. Milner there. I think the difference where you would notice is, is going forward yeah. and the general balance of the midfield and the forward momentum of the team. Um, hopefully it's not, not something we'll ever have to discover if the two of them are out at the same time. But these are all the vagaries of a nine-month football season and you have to kind of roll with the punches. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to take a bit on that set, the second part of that question about you know if there's room for improvement. And without a shadow of a doubt, there's room for improvement up and down every single club in yeah. league football, in mm. world football. You know, Van Dijk and everybody like that will always say in their interviews and their arse, you playing at the top of the game. No, 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 no. We've got room to improve. And of course they do. You know, nobody's perfect. At the head of the field, Liverpool could be getting more chances for the front three even. They could be conceding less goals. You know, it's you could make a case probably for every single position and player on the pitch where Liverpool could improve slightly. That's not to say they're not absolutely probably on the if not the best team in the world right now, but they can still improve un- undoubtedly. I don't think there's any area in particular that needs improvement I don't think one area sticks out more than the other but I think as a team anything can be improved always Yeah, and I, th- I, th- I think the encouraging thing is the noises that we've heard coming out of Anfield are very much in tune with that kind of old school Ronnie Moran mentality that yeah. you're only as good as your last game don't be thinking that you've cracked it this, you know, the, to me you know, I'd say my the concerns or fears I would have as to what could derail our season you know, absolutely give credence to, to the points that you like to put forward I think arguably that that our biggest our biggest enemy our biggest opponent is, is ourselves you know there's no getting away from it this is an outstanding Liverpool team one of the greatest that there's ever been it's almost like the game comes too easy to them at times and I think that you know, the, the, the encouraging thing is they've got the right people not just in the, in the coach's office in the, the senior players in the dressing room they all seem to have that the right kind of mentality. But we saw in the game against Salzburg that if you take your eye off the ball for two minutes in any of these you know, in any of these matches at the level that Liverpool are operating at, 
it can come back to haunt you. You know, all of a sudden, three 0 against Salzburg, cruising it. Five minutes before half time, I was stuck in the office thinking, I'll be if they beat the eleven nil record against Strom's Godset here, I'll be fuming with myself. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, at three three. The Gave whole complexion changed. For a song as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the you know the, the good thing is I I kind of get the impression that these things that Klopp and Kravitz and Pep Linders and all the good people that they've got working there, they will keep their foot on the pedal. They will not be getting complacent. They will not be counting any chickens before they come home to roost. Um, next question: Greg Meyer one six three. Should Liverpool not be in for Ericsson, and I'm going to assume that that's Christian rather than Sven Goran, <laughs> when he's supposed to be going to Real Madrid for 25 million? Ian, would you have Christian Ericsson at Anfield? No. Short and sweet. And, and, there, you, and there you have it. <laughs> in a word, would you like to elaborate? Uh, yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's a decent player. I've never been his biggest fan, I have to be perfectly honest. Um He's done a good job for Tottenham. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go down the road of Tottenham. What the hell's going on down there? No, and we've heard all the rumours and all that thing, which may or may not involve him. Or yeah, anyway, oh, we don't true. want to. We Steady. don't want to say that. Yeah. It came out on Twitter. All the players came out on Twitter to say it wasn't true. I mean, you know, you can make your own <laughs> mind up, but it seems mad, doesn't it? Well, what, well, the other thing is, irrespective of that, he's not been playing for Tottenham, and yeah. he is one of their better players. And he's also and, not and really a Klopp type player, is exactly, he? He's yeah. twenty nine now. He's probably not as quick. He's not as versatile as Klopp's going to want. Just the Klopp, an LFC type player. The club generally don't yeah. make those kind I mean, of transfers. Make no mistake, he's obviously a very good player. He's very good at hitting a dead ball. He's creative. He can deliver crosses, and, and that's great. But Got a good shot as well. I just don't think Liverpool need him. He was linked with this a lot, wasn't he, four or yeah. five years ago? Mm. And I think you know. Mid twenties, Ericsson, I think could absolutely have been a, a very useful acquisition for where Liverpool were at the time. But I would absolutely concur. I'd, you know, for the the well, even for twenty five million is not is not that much. Yeah, is it, you'd, really? be looking, yeah. you'd be looking two hundred grand a week. Also, it's another centre midfielder in the team, a squad that's got an awful lot of them. If <laughs> yeah. he was a left winger, then I'd be slightly more inclined to go. Ooh, that's not mm. bad. No, all right. Well, we're we're fairly uh, unanimous on that. We're not bringing Ericsson. Another, another <laughs> next question is also about an individual player from at Jonesy Wayne, Wayne Jones for the uninitiated. <laughs> Will Naby Keita ever make it at Liverpool? Now I know that Joe Rimmer is constantly worried about Naby Keita for, our, regu- for anyway. our regular listeners. I think he will. I think he will. I think possibly even in the next couple of weeks we'll start to see why he was bought. I feel he was, you know, last season he didn't actually have that many injuries. He just got them at the wrong times. And because he's tended to get injured during the course of a game, you think of uh, Napoli was one, there was another one. Oh, Barcelona, Barcelona I'm yeah. sure there was another one on top of that uh, where he had to go off. It just looked worse than what it actually was. And I think the crowd are quite keen for him to, to kick on. They want him to, to do well. I think he's been, you know, I'm not saying, he, what was it, 52.75 million yeah, pounds. 50, yeah. Which is that Liverpool's third most expensive player? Yeah. yeah, and he's not. He's managed to avoid all the scrutiny because the team's doing that well, and that's kind of helped him. Should have helped him settle because he's not really had that pressure. The only pressure he's had, you know, Klopp's not put any, on, on, him under any pressure at all. The only pressure they've had was on himself, and he had to deal a little bit with pressure from Guinea over the summer, which didn't help him no, having to didn't. go off to the African Cup of Nations. Well, he was in, nowhere near, no near fit, and ended up getting injured again. Yeah. And then he came back and just when he probably would have played in that Super Cup against mm. Chelsea, gets injured again there so he has been a bit unlucky in that just injured at the wrong times and I think a lot of Liverpool fans want to see what he's about I think there was so much excitement when he had that full year of of like is he coming or is he not then he was and then he had to wait another year and really since then he's not managed to put consistent performances together whether at Leipzig or at Liverpool for whatever reason niggling injuries or something's been weighing on his mind or the the thought coming to Liverpool then adapting but you know, he's been here for 15 months now and I genuinely think in the next couple of weeks because he's going to be fit as far as I'm aware he well he came on didn't he against Leicester towards the end I think he'll have a big part to play in these games that's coming up and I wouldn't be surprised if he actually does something pretty special yeah what I was going to say and I absolutely agree and I think it's, it's going to come very quickly into the forefront of everything um, this transfer team that we have in the form of like Michael Edwards and everybody else would not have spent £52 million <clears throat> on a player if they went absolutely 100% sure of just how good he is. Mm. And we know, first game played for Liverpool was that 4-0 against West Ham start of last season, first game. And he was absolutely excellent that day. And you just thought, oh, wow, what a player. Of course, we know about 
his injuries, you know about his stops and starts, but he has still shown flashes of that brilliance in a fair few matches that he's played in. He's clearly, clearly got a lot about him. He's got really good skill on the ball and running forward. And there's, there's so much he can add to Liverpool's game, particularly from that midfield, which has come under, you know, criticism from time to time about a lack of creativity, which is probably unjust for the role they play, but we'll leave that one there. Um, but Cater particularly, I think, yeah, the fact he's fit now, the fact he's not been, you know, dragged off to Africa, to go back home to play when he's he's not fit and there's pressure on him to probably be the best player in Guinea's team and then to perform at that level as well in the African Cup of Nations when other teams are going to want to you know take him out of the game because then you'll probably beat Guinea and things like that you know he's going to be really well looked after at Melbourne he's going to be back and he's going to be firing fit and I'm excited but <laughs> <laughs> in a shock to absolutely no one yeah. this podcast <laughs> I am myself you know I, I, I agree I, I think there's definitely a player there I think he's had rotten luck so far I think you know particularly just you know, as the last season was kind of reaching its crescendo, he got his first goal at Southampton, which was a vital equaliser at the time when we were one 0 down and struggling. Went on to you know a very important three one away victory. Then I think he scored in the next game, didn't he, at home to Porto, which yeah. was his first game, yeah. first goal at Anfield. And you just kind of thought, wow, what a great time to just be clicking into form just as we get to the business end of the season. And then very unfortunately, he got injured in the Camp Nou, didn't he, during the first leg of the Champions League? But for Klopp to even semi. start him in the Camp Nou. Clearly well, shows you quite what they think. Yeah. And how he performs. Because Klopp puts so much on training, mm. how people are doing, how people are performing week in, week out. And, you know, he's getting a start at the camp. You know, the that was a big vote of faith from the manager w- w- without a doubt. I think what, what hasn't helped him as well is the fact that, like Joyley said, there was you know, a lot of rumours before we signed him. And then we signed him to come in a year's time. Mm-hmm. So there was the big build-up when we were all watching Bundesliga games and, you know, and oh, he looks great and I'm waiting for him to arrive. So I think possibly there was a bigger expectation heaped on his shoulders, even more so as much as the price tag because of the long kind of introduction that we had to him before he actually pulled, put a red shirt on. There was one quote I read from Clock quite recently in one of our stories in the last week or so when he actually said in one of the recent... Did, did he... Did he he played at Milton Keynes in the yes, League yeah, Cup, didn't Bonds, he? Yeah. Um, and I think Klopp said afterwards, so, you know, basically the impression that Klopp get, is under is that he's, he's, he's a lot more settled in the club, in the city now, and particularly with the language. And he basically said something on the lines of, when I was giving him tactical instructions, he seemed to understand what I was talking about. Yeah. And it was a bit of a standout quote. Because I was thinking, what, so kind of, so, so, so he didn't last season then. And maybe, so, you know, some, maybe the lad's got to take a bit of responsibility for that himself. Because if he knew he was coming to England a year in advance, it might have been a bit of an idea to learn the lingo. But anyway, it, from the sounds of it, he is very much aware and, and, and awake to what's happening now. And, and hopefully... It's, yeah, I thought he played very well at Wembley in the Charity Shield mm. the little yeah, cameo that he had one, yeah. there and you get the impression that him and the people around him are really determined to make the best of this opportunity he's got to play for the mighty Reds um, right so well, last couple of questions now chaps um, this one is from Matt 71 uh, do we think Herr Klopp will go all out to win the World Club Cup Bob trophy in Qatar in December Oh, Liverpool play so many games in December, don't they? I think they're playing a game just about every other day. Pretty much. Um, everybody knows the time around Christmas, for especially for Premier League games, is an absolutely vital time. You can come out into the new year with, with a lead and you're, you're in a really, really strong position to take it into the business end of the season. Um, I would love to see Liverpool win it. Um, it's a trophy they've never won. Um but I just think it will depend on just how December is going because, you know, if he picks up one or two injuries, if, you know, Liverpool need to perform absolutely 100% in their Premier League games, and not that they wouldn't anyway, I don't, I don't mean it like that, but they need to put everything on that game. I just think there might be a bigger priority at stake, particularly how we've started this start of the season. However, that being said, if everything's looking rosy by that point, if Liverpool still have their lead, if everybody's fit, I see absolutely no reason why he doesn't just absolutely go for it and bring another piece of silverware home. I think the timings and the fact that it's in Qatar might help Liverpool because obviously in the past when they played in this, it's been in Tokyo, mm-hmm. um, which is in Japan, by the way, which is on the other side of the world. And that's uh, quite, quite, yeah, quite a trek, <laughs> quite a trek for, for them to get there. And it's Alan Wicker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it is, yes, it is. They got rugby unit world cup going on. They do, go ahead. Yeah. And a typhoon. I know, yeah. 
Uh, your mate's going. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> where were we? Yeah, well, it's in Qatar. It's only three hours difference in terms of time. I think yeah. the flight's six hours direct from Manchester. Not that I've looked into these things, of course. Um, <clears> but it won't have as much of an impact in that in terms of there won't be any jet lag, there won't be any of that kind of thing. Okay, six hours is not great for travelling, but you know, it's it's not insurmountable. And the actual dates of the games aren't too bad. Liverpool I think play on a Saturday. Then they would presumably the home, yeah. Then they would presumably go out and they'd play one game on the Wednesday, one on the Saturday, and the next game after that is Leicester on Boxing Day. At least that's what yeah. it is at the moment. Um, Leicester away. So, which I think is the Thursday or Friday. So yeah. It, so yeah. so it there's a there's a big enough gap. What I think might happen because Liverpool won't really discover who they're playing in the first game semi final until you know about three days before. The game's actually on because uh, I think is it Monterey, the Mexican team are going to be playing. Monterey, there they, was three or four we could play. Monterey yeah. with the kind of like the biggest the, name. Of they're, them, they're definitely in that semi. Uh, that were in the play. That were England were based in '86, by the way. Monterey. Yes, it was. Yeah. Of course, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, See, we're not completely anti-England there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quarterfinals, they play quarterfinals, whatever it's called, you know, to, to qualify for this thing. Yeah. And they play, I think it's a team from Caledonia have to play. New Caledonia, sorry, have to play before then. So the point being, Liverpool might end up playing a team that's slightly lesser than some of the other opposition. And, and Klopp might go, right, I'm only going to play half a team, so I'll take X, Y and Z and leave the others at home and they can come out a bit later. That's just a suggestion. Don't know what the logistics are, but mm. presumably there's enough flights going out to Qatar that they'll be able yeah. to sort something. So, in answer to the question, I think he does want to win it, yeah. Yeah. I think he definitely does want to win it. He'll he'll love that, you know, to, to be the first Liverpool manager. And, and well, actually, not so much to be the first, man, first Liverpool manager, but to be part of the first Liverpool team, to be the greatest team in the world officially. Yeah. Would be would be a big deal for him. And it would be a big deal for Liverpool. Yeah. Well, it's Liverpool not, as world champion to be great, yeah, it's wouldn't not, it? It's, and I, I mean, it, we, we kind of dismiss it simply because Liverpool haven't won it, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. And... I know Benitez in 2005, Rafael Benitez, when they didn't beat, was it Scripps, Sao Paulo, and the offside goal. Three from, offside goals. Yeah, basically, they were all... Rob should, battered them. Yeah, they all they should have won that on game. Sunday yeah. morning after the works, yeah. out with a stinking hangover, fuming it was. <laughs> so they should have won that. Mm. Um, Benitez was fuming afterwards, and he's, he's still, yeah, presumably, if you still ask him about it, you know what he's like, he'll probably still fume about it, he'll remember every single incident from that game. Mm. I don't think Klopp's quite the same as that, but... He'd want to win it. Liverpool want to win it. What's the point of... Why, you know, well, why be fact, it? The answer to your question is look at how they approach the Super Cup and their reaction yeah. to that and that exactly. is your answer yeah. to that question. Yeah. I, I concur entirely. I, I, as much as, you know, I think there is something what you say about, you know, becoming part of the first Liverpool team to become world champions. I think I get the sense that they've taken such pride in what they've done 18-19 and, and the Super Cup, the Charity Shield and the World Club Cup are really an extension of that and a way of kind of cementing and solidifying the phenomenal achievements of 97 points and European champions. So I, I also think as well, success breeds success. And if they're able to, you know, it, if they're able to bring a bit of silverware back to Anfield halfway through this season, when obviously we've started fantastically well, eight wins out of eight, top of the league, I, you know, it's, success can be contagious. And I think as well as kind of like, rubber stamping what happened last year, I think it could also get us a nice little kind of in little boost of confidence and ego for what we're hoping to achieve this season as well. So be writing in copy, you're coming to play the, the world, world and European champions. champions. Yes. <laughs> well let's hope let's hope we're all right in that. Come uh, come mid December and early January we shall see. Uh, last couple now lads. Uh, this one is from Skino Mino. Uh, he personally thinks Alison will change our defence for the better massively. Yeah. Presumably once he returns. Uh, does he come straight back into these big games coming up or do we stay with Adrian, who is obviously not as good but has the rhythm from playing? Ooh. I, I'll go first. We'll go second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Alisson is 100% fit, he's playing. Simple as that. If he's not 100%, if he's even if he's 95% and he doesn't feel massively confident on his calf that he got injured... There's no reason to take Adrian out. There's no reason to risk Alisson Adrian. Sort of, as we mentioned before, he's done a very good job better than anyone could have expected. But he knows, everybody else knows, Alisson is the number one goalkeeper for Liverpool. Adrian knew that when he joined. He just wasn't expected to be playing so often straight away. But you know, if Alisson's fit, he plays. But Liverpool have got themselves into a nice position, Jurgen Klopp has, where he doesn't have to chuck the goalkeeper straight in. Yeah. He said that, you know, he doesn't have to make him... And another winner in this whole... Uh, sequence of games has been Cueven Kelleher who come, come did in really and, well in did really well and I know that they really really like him Paul really Gorse Paul Gorse did a, mm. 
did a piece uh, earlier this Speaks week. John Axberg about yeah. him, didn't he? Yeah, said he's you know he's one for the future. Yeah, and he's a big fan. So yeah, Connor. yeah. No, I was, I was going to mention the same thing actually with Klopp saying you know the fact that Adrian has performed so well, he hasn't needed to rush Allison back in. But I thought that was quite telling in terms of you know if Adrian was having a nightmare and Liverpool were losing games, conceding many, and he just looked you know I think they probably would have. Alison probably would have seen him already, mm. yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I agree. So it's, it's exactly, exactly as you said, you know, if Alison is fit, if Alison is ready, and they've been able to take their time with him to get him to 100%, the noises they were making before the international break is this extra period of rest he's going to have yeah. is going to mean he is ready and he'll be raring to get back on the pitch. He's not going to want to go on sit on the sidelines with this Liverpool team, go on to achieve all of this. I and mean, he's probably got another insane chance of winning the Basically Golden Glove. two months, isn't it? What was it, August the 9th? Yeah. It's about, it's about two months, isn't it? Yeah. Ten, ten weeks. And yeah, it must have dragged yeah. unbelievably for him. Yeah, there's two international breaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly it, though, but as I say if he is ready he comes straight back in because he is a superior goalkeeper there is no getting around that the difference he makes to Liverpool's defence the difference he made to Liverpool's defence despite having Van Dijk was just unbelievable and they'll welcome that back with open arms as soon as he is ready but that's not a slight on Adrian in any way shape or form it's just it's just quite simply Alisson is a better goalkeeper yeah and like you say the Liverpool are in a terrific position now where they don't need to make any hasty Judgment, judgments on it. I do remember this time last week or so watching Klopp's press conference ahead of the Leicester game and he was asked about Alisson and he kind of kept his car. In fact, I think we spoke about it on Blood Red last yeah, Friday, yeah. actually. And he, he kind of left a little bit of a glimmer saying, well, basically, I'll make my mind up tomorrow. But that said to me that he is, if he'd had to put him in, he could have done. Yeah. But because he knows now he can trust Adrian and you know, he's settled in brilliantly in defence and the team are playing well with him, he was happy to give... Uh, Alison that little bit longer because calf injuries are, are awkward, aren't they? Particularly with a goalkeeper, all the jumping that you can, you can do. If it's even if it's only ninety nine percent right, why even take a chance with why? that one yeah. percent? But all the noises Against we've what, been hearing. One of our questions is, is called a mid-table Man United. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not yeah. going to go down that road because pride cometh before a fall and all that. Um, penultimate question, a little bit of a, a left field one from underscore fuzzy underscore Dunlop <laughs> beans on a fry up yay or nay absolutely 100% yes and without for, a shadow of a doubt for, for our for our listeners from abroad we're talking about a fry up is a, is a traditional English breakfast what would it normally have on it Dan uh, it would normally have um, in order of significance I would say <laughs> wow. uh, bacon <laughs> no I see I, I like beans but I'd have them fairly low down there I'd actually have them below mushrooms in the significanceometer controversial but I wouldn't I, have mushrooms on at all but we'll come you, to that well you're from St Helens <laughs> <laughs> bacon sausage egg yep Classic. what kind of egg fried egg has well, to be. Uh, no I, I, I would I would always go scrambled or poached before fried to be honest, it's, I, 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 wouldn't, fr- I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. Can you? No, it needs to be either scrambled. I'd, or, I'd say fried, fried is more fried, conventional fried. on a fry. But I like. I like to live. I don't live by the rules. Yeah, Connie, deep you know fried bread in. Anyway, Actually, I'd, I'd always go eggy bread above fry bread. Mushrooms are absolute non-negotiable. Mushrooms have to be on there. Yeah, I, agree I also that like mushrooms are non-negotiable. They cannot be on. You cannot have mushrooms. Toast? Hash brown? Hash brown? Oh, yeah, I'm into a hash love brown. Love hash brown. Hash browns and yeah. beans. That's what they're made for. Yeah. But I think one made of the biggest other. questions is, and what some people really get very wound up about, do the beans have to be protected from the rest of the plate? With the sausage? In little, in, well, oh. I, I, a lot of places now, and I'm not just, isn't just one for we yeah. want plates that um, very interesting and entertaining Twitter account. It is very good, actually. Yeah, um, a lot of places now will serve it in a little, kind of, you know, a little pot, and some people take great offence and great umbrage if the beans should happen to touch <coughs> some of the elements on the plate. Now, to me, get over yourselves. It's all going the same way, isn't it? But, you know, opinions. Beans. Just love beans. Don't care how they come. I'm going to pull them on anyway. Beans, beans, good for your heart. <laughs> I, do, I do love how excitable we've got on this question compared to all More the football. More than any of the football. Exactly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I, th- I think we've kind of concurred that beans are yes. Beans are a yes. Beans, beans are a yes for a fry, but mushrooms... I mean, at the end of the day, not, I have no, to say, what, what colour are beans? Red. Really? Kind of orangey, I'd say. Well, they're more red than blue. Uh, last question. <laughs> <laughs> last Certainly, question. you don't want to be eating light blue at, beans. <laughs> yeah, I think it's made me hungry, this. Last question from at TalkingRed22. How many of the current squad do you think will be back for Liverpool Legends games in the future, many years from now? 
Is this because the Liverpool legends are playing a game on Saturday up in Ibrox Stadium against Glasgow Rangers? Rangers they yes. Are, yes, we'll be providing you with live updates. We have the- Theodore Squires is going up there. He is indeed. Yeah, he is. He's, he's going, going yeah. match analysis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And player ratings, obviously not as funny as the ones I do, but there you go. Well, well if you, you know. say so yourself. To be fair, I've laid down the challenge there. I should be keeping a... Laid down the corner. Yeah. Well, as you've had first dibs on all the questions, I'm going to jump in first on this one. I'm going to say Milner. Just one. 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 Just that's the only one. Oh, actually, it was how many, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I don't think all of them will. No, I can't. I can't I'm going to see... say Milner. I'm going to say Henderson. Yeah. I'm going to say Divock Origi because yeah. the man is a living yeah. legend and will be till the day he dies, which we hope is many, many years from now. Um, wow. <laughs> Andy Robbo. I can see Trent. Robbo turning out. Trent. Trent's a scouser. Trent will be there. Who the won't? I can't see Salamani or Firmino. No. Can't I, see I any can't of see them. Any of them either, can't honest. see any of them. I, think, I can I see Mane, you know. I, I think, can see Mane coming Adrian will. 100% Adrian. Yeah. 100% Adrian. Six games he's played. Yeah. Yeah. I can win them just with the way they are. I wouldn't be surprised if they played. The Witch definitely will. Yeah. yeah. The who? Imagine Van Dijk in a Legends the game, by the way. The Witch. The Witch. Wijnaldum. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I think quite a lot of them, to be honest with you. A lot of the starting 11. The front three, I think, I find it tricky to pin down, perhaps. Particularly if... You know, if... Lalana will. Things... Yeah, but he'd be injured. <laughs> yeah, and Keita. <laughs> if, if this season kind of plans out the way we hope it is with more silverware, I think, you know, if we're able to look back on 2019 to 2021, say, as, you know, a period of unprecedented Liverpool success, I think in 10, 20, 30 years' time, you will get the bulk of the core of this team coming back because... Listen, they may all go on to do different things, but you you know, you know, look at them, you look at, I was watching somebody only the other day and there was footage from Madrid that even though it was only four months ago, it, seemed, it felt like ages since I'd watched anything from it. And just seeing the, the look on their faces, what it meant to all them, you could tell it, it meant certainly an awful lot as much to them as it did to us. Mm. I think they will be happy to come back to Liverpool from wherever they're living in 30 years' time to reminisce and talk about quickly taking corners. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say, actually, you mentioned in how much it all meant to the players and the reactions were absolutely sensational across everyone in Madrid. But you, Ian, pointed out to me and told me to watch Dejan Lovren. Yeah. And if nobody, honestly, if nobody's watched back that footage, watch Dejan Lovren for the whole thing. And he's just grabbing every single yeah, person's yeah. shirt around him and just, just like wanting to rip their shirts off. It's amazing watching him, but it just epitomises just how much it meant to every single one of them up and down. Because, you know, he didn't even play, but he was still that incredible cheerleader from the sidelines and... Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, in answer to the question, I, I, and as we have answered pretty well, I think mm. a lot of this team are coming back to play and for Legends. I also think Klopp would come back and manage them as well. God, yeah. Oh, w- w- without Imagine that. 15 years down the line. <clears throat> well, it would be so good. It's something to look forward to in the future, but I think we've got some, uh, hopefully a fair bit of real, live, competitive action to watch. And that's time for some real Legends. I this think this find, wonderful yeah. Liverpool team in action in over the next few weeks and months. Um, <laughs> Get attacked by this, thank you for that. We'll, we'll wrap that up for now um, from today's special Q&A version of the Blood Red podcast. As mentioned, uh, our esteemed pal and colleague Theo will be on his way to Glasgow tomorrow to watch the Legends in action against the Rangers Legends. And we'll have updates from that as well as, of course, all the updates from the international break. And uh, on Monday... We'll be back with another podcast for you and finally some real football. Thank Um, you for listening. (laughs) Have a good weekend, kids. Up the Reds. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.